A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Cabin Country. I remain Bjorn Lloydstad. We've got Fudd Klugman to my right. Good evening. How are you, Fudd? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Good to have you. And tonight we've got a special, special guest. We're pleased to bring in uh, fisherman extraordinaire Buck Fielding. Buck, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Glad to glad to have you on Cabin Country, and and you've got some some ex- expertise in areas. Frankly, I've never been. I don't know about you, Fudd, but Lake of the Woods. Have you ever never been up to the Lake of the Woods? Well, if you fished Lake of the Woods, I'd I'd consider that pretty hardcore. And if not you, uh, Buck, uh, certainly some of the guys you went up with. Uh, I remember one trip I went up with you, and uh, we we're going to spend eight nine hours on on Lake of the Woods. Eight hours thought, out on the big water. I, I I'm good for two at a time. I don't know. Yeah, those are those are long days. They are, especially when you have to go half an hour each way up the lake just to get up there. <laughs> well, it's a big lake. Yeah, I always find myself asking. So, what do you do then when you gotta use the latrine? Probably just that's the beauty of it. You're out in the middle of well, you sixty five thousand miles of shoreline, fourteen thousand islands. You're pretty. You could be in the middle of the lake and it's pretty private. Nobody. So there's a big body of water there. Nobody's the wiser. Nobody's Absolutely. any the wiser. Adding to the, the wonders of Lake of the Woods. Between you and the loons at that point. Well, I'm thinking, Buck, what is it that usually brings you? What's your quarry? When you get to Lake of the Woods, what is it you're looking for? What is what is the fish you're hoping to bag? What The the lunker count, what are you looking for? The lunker, the, the benchmark for the guys I go up with is 30 inches. That's the, that's the creme de la creme of, of walleye size. And I've seen in the last five years, th- I think three of them. The biggest one being thirty-one and a half inches. So anything smaller than thirty inches, you're catching, releasing, goodbye. Pretty much everything north of twenty inches is getting released. I see. I see. All right. All right. Well, that leads us to kind of a cabin country favorite. Um, Fudd, you're kind of the king of the rubber frog. Well, I'm a bass fisherman, or at least I've always been predominantly a bass fisherman. Rubber frog. Or a rubber worm with a single hook. Rubber. Absolutely. And I had, as a young ADD fisherman, some luck with the MEPS, if you recall the MEPS oh, yeah. spoon oh, and, yeah. and, uh, and bucktail. But what's Buck Fielding's favorite lure? What is it that works for Buck? We stayed in this place called White Moose Lodge, which was basically a guy had a house on a peninsula and there was one cabin there. And um, uh, it was a Funny enough, there was a nine-hole golf course right, right there. One as cabin well. and a nine-hole golf yeah, course. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And another another cabin where and this native club. guide stayed. Absolutely. And his name was Howard. And uh, so we took him out one day, and he took us to these these awesome spots. You know, it's it pays to take a guide out if you've never been on a lake that big to just Absolutely. at least once or twice to learn where the spots are. Sure. The only the only thing in his bag was this like half ounce to three quarter ounce jig. And mm-hmm. we called it Howard Yellow, which was just kind of the school bus yellowish orange kind of. It wasn't like a chartreuse or a bright 
yellow and it wasn't an orange it was kind of that kind of crossover school bus. no eyeballs painted on it or anything like that just a flat out that was it wow and he would use that that was all he used and he would outfish all of us on the boat wow and so we thought, well, why would we ever need anything else? But of course, you get into, you go into any bait store, and you see all these multicolored jigs, and oh uh, yes, you know, I think you're you're getting baited in as quite, the consumer, quite literally. yeah, <clears throat> yeah more than the the fish are going to give a rat's fat behind butt, whether you're going to have absolutely. an eyeball well, plant and, painted you know, on the side. That that kind of stuff is aimed right at a guy like me because that was a, a past show we talked about. I don't really like fishing, Dad, but if you keep buying me gear, I'll go with you, and then. Can I drive the boat? I brought some comic books. Can I go swimming? You know, that kind of thing. But, yeah, lured in, if you will, by the, the beauty of the paint jobs and, and the interesting interesting different shapes and, and sizes. I just saw one, uh, and hopefully we won't get sued. Don, be careful here. Uh, but I, I just sent a photo to FUD. Uh, the Suicide Duck. This lengthy kind of multiple treble hook affair, but it looked like a duckling, a yellow duck. And I thought... Something seemed kind of sinister about that. Like, I'm throwing this little duck to its death. It'll be great. And this is an actual lure. This is a lure, absolutely. And was, it, you, was you, it a musky lure? Musky, large northern. Yeah, your your bigger game fish kind of thing. It was it was it was probably three four inches long, and then a couple sets of treble hooks. But the name just kind of cracked me up. And like I said, I'm hoping we don't get dinged by a, a lawsuit here. But yeah, the suicide duck. Wow. I'm sure not, but uh, as you remember, it's I, a free I, plug. I, I talked about <laughs> is free advertising. Cabin Country, the Suicide Duck, not just a song by NXS. So that will get sued for. Uh, so you you like the Howard's the Howard's jig? Yeah, and so basically School that just branched yellow. out to, to that. That's like my number one. But then okay. it's just jigs, right? That's I mean, when we go up, the guys I go up with now almost only want to fish for walleye. Right. I would just as soon mix it up a little bit. And sure. I always, we have this kind of yearly banter about, can we go down into Whitefish Bay, which is the the southern part of the, kind of the Canadian side of the the, the lake. Sure. Where the water is very clear and very deep, and you can catch you can catch walleye. Right. They're going to be fewer and farther between, but they're a lot larger. Uh-huh. But it's also deep, and you can fish for trout. Right. And so... Um, that's fun too. When we went down there, I dragged him down there one time, and I was the only one that didn't. I, I was the only one that wanted to catch, fish for trout, and I was the only one that didn't catch a trout. Yeah. So, <laughs> and how big were these trout that you get? What what kind They're, of trout and what? Lake trout. Lake trout. Lake trout. Yeah, and they'd usually be in eighty to one hundred and twenty feet of water. Wow. So you had to run the the the, the suspended weights. No, we didn't do downrigging. We'd do it by okay. um, by jigging. I see. I see. Yeah. No. So there's a thing the jig called a sonar, which is a right. real kind of a long. Flashy, and the trout will hit it on the way down. Okay. So when you're you let it flutter down, and then you you're retrieving it up, and you'll all of a sudden feel like you have a snag, and that's usually a sign that you've got you've something. Got a on. lake trout, probably. Yep. Is so that they're is, fun to catch? Is, that, is this one of those lures that has the electric light inside it, so it's like flashing or anything like that? No, no. That's the stuff that I just buy. You know, that's the stuff that ropes you in. Absolutely, the lighted bars Absolutely. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always wonder how that works, but uh, anyway. My, speaking of Whitefish Bay, the, the first year we, I started going down there with the guys, and this was probably 96, I think uh, 96. Okay. My friend Pete, just leave it there, we were uh, fishing down, it was first night, we went out and uh, kind of close to camp because it was dark you know we didn't want to get it's very easy to get lost which we did that same trip got lost all right anyway he he latches on to this he's got a he's got a gold jig with a little gold propeller on it Mm -hmm. you've seen those i have and uh so he latches onto this this fish that he has to fight for a few minutes and pulls it up and it's this huge 28 inch walleye Wow. You know, basically a trophy. Almost there, wow. yeah. So he pulls it up, and he's got the adrenaline rush, and he's shaking and all excited, and everybody's high-fiving, and it's beautiful. The stars are out, and everything's awesome. So we're sitting there, you know, just basking in the glory, and he, of course, wants to put it in live. Well, I'm keeping it. You know, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to mount it. You can okay. feel good about yourself after that. <laughs> so we're, like, we're like fishing away again, and he, he, he asks... Uh, well, how much do you think that's gonna? How much do you think that would cost to mount that thing? We're like, I, a couple, three hundred bucks to do it right, I guess. Well, I can't afford that. I'm not what? Gonna, I'm not gonna mount it. <laughs> like, well, the thing is dead. 
now you can't put it back you know what i mean so i think we tried to do the little shimmy in the water right, to get it to right. you know water past the gills just did a oh. kind of twisted around Old in the water floaty. Yeah. yeah hello so uh i'm dead now yeah so so he so we took it back to the to the fish house with a i don't know if we i don't even think we caught anything else that night just right. his big big walleye and of course, with walleye, the good eating ones are the smaller ones. The yeah, bigger they get, yeah, the, they're they're trophies, but they're not as good flavor, eating. Right? Yep. Mouth watering. We are already weren't that excited about the idea. My friend Dan and I are more seasoned fillet. Sure. You know, Hardcore. Yeah, we can fillet a fish. Candy well. with a fillet. Bingo. So we're like, Pete, do you want us to you know help you out with this? And he's like, Nope, I caught it. I'm going to clean I'm going to do this. Yep. So it was kind of a matter of honor. So we proceeded to watch him hack away at this 28-inch <laughs> walleye and turn it into meatballs. Oh, ish. Ish. <laughs> he wouldn't mind me telling that story, Peter, if you're listening. Um, Hacking away that's, like uh, that's one of my favorite stories. Tenderfoot with a hatchet on a stump. Yeah. That's terrible. That's what always reminds me of something funny, too, is, you know, when you bring a trout up from really deep, mm-hmm. you know, they've got air sacs. You know, and, and, and they kind of release, and you get this kind of sound where it's like, a, you know, and I always think, you know, I always, I always think, you know, is that really air sex? You know, or is that something that dads tell their kids so they don't feel bad? Daddy, why is it making that noise? Oh, it's just air sacs releasing, and the fish is actually going, oh, he just dragged it up from, Aah. it's all good till it, uh, it breaches the water, and you hear, good lord. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that, a, that beauti- that's a beautiful fish. It wasn't the fish. <laughs> That's it. That it does bring up a question. You know, do fish feel pain? We've always been brought to feel. I love the classic line. You know, they have absolutely no feeling in their mouths. You know, they, they, <laughs> the treble hook goes right just, through the. Just lip. ask one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How do you feel? Those air sacs releasing. That's all it is. Okay. Pay no attention to that air sac. Quick smack it in the back of the head with a rapala. Oh my gosh! Well, I've been. Don, you're absolutely correct. I can see you waving wildly back there. I, I thank you for the heads up, and sure enough, it is time for a word from one of our sponsors. So stay tuned for more Cabin Country after this. The following announcement is brought to you by the Bass Fishing Television Network. BFTV Lunker Buster is coming to Lake Vermilion. Join your favorite bass slayers as they compete for top prize money on the greatest lakes of the upper northwest. All the energy and entertainment of the Lunker Buster Tournament Series. Pumped up with the new edition of the Tournament Gallery Option. Don't just watch the scores come in at Tournament Central. Be part of the action. Add your vote to the flotilla following your favorite pros. Just like the galleries offering support to their favorite golfers. Add your voice to the gallery supporting your favorite angler. Get strikes! You are there to follow your angler through fair water or foul. Let's rip some lips! Get a real deal! Bunker Buster 17 is headed to the following hot spots Woo. later this summer. Gull Lake. Lake Osakis. Lac Lahamadu. Lake Minnewaska. And Lake Minnetonka. Lunker Buster 17 is guaranteed to create big game fishing fever. Boom! Catch it! By launching your boat and joining the gallery, you agree to abide by the no-wake rulings and agree to give the anglers their traditional 50-foot buffer zone. So tell me more here, Buck. Uh, What was going through your mind when you realized... I think we might be lost on Lake of the Woods. There's a real good chance I don't know where we are. Well, that was more than one story of getting lost on Lake of the Woods. That's a there large might be, but that was water. the that was the one because that was the first time I'd been back up on the lake solo without like you know uh, being up with family that were older and had been up you know many times knew the lake, knew the lake knew a little the, bit better. Body. So and back this was when GPSs were just coming out. So I was going to borrow my dad's GPS at the time. And, of course, now looking back on it, it was this archaic thing, you, right. know, you know, right? where it would draw this black line and you could maybe follow it back or whatever. But, sure. But I, I didn't take it with for whatever reason. And so we just had these paper maps, you know, these big fold-out maps. Sure. And so, of course, as I mentioned, Whitefish Bay, there's not as much uh, action. If you're going to catch a fish, it's going to be a big walleye, but it's right. not, there's, it's, you know... Dan, my friend Dan calls it the, the Whitefish Blues. You get okay. high hopes, you get out there, and then you flail around on Whitefish Bay all sure. day. And after a few days of that, we were staying at the camp that was in the very southern part of 
Whitefish Bay on an island called Calvert Island. And so we decided, all right, heck with it. We're going to go up the lake. So we gassed up and uh, we went up the lake. And it takes about a half an hour, 40 minutes to get kind of up where all those good spots are. Sure. And we, this is way before, by the way, this is before we took out Howard or anything. This is like right. the year one, basically, right. 21 years ago. The tenderfoot seals. <clears throat> yeah. Don't know what we're doing. Exactly. So we get to this um, little reef we call Gull Island, which is just north of Chisholm Island, which is right in the middle of the the, the lake. And, uh, of course, we start catching fish. And we're like, oh, this is a field day. You know, we're hauling them in. And One after it's another. Just, yep, exactly. It's just a harvest. And I'm watching the sun start to get lower and lower in the sky. And I'm like, oh, okay, guys, I know we're having fun, but we should probably wrap this up. But I'm still right. pretty confident of the lake, and I've got a map. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Captain Barbosa. Yeah, I've got a map. So finally, we finally we I, I said, okay, guys, that that's enough. You know, we gotta we gotta go. So we, you know, brought up the trolling motor and started heading back and turned around, got through one set of islands and was looking at the map. Instantly, had no idea where I was. I'm like, hold hold on a second. There should be an inlet here and a cur- curve here. I'm like, okay, hold on. Stop before we get any further. Right. I turn around because I know that that's Chisholm Island. So I went back out. Got my bearings, saw the island. There's this little marker on uh, at the tip of what's called Yellow Girl Bay, which anybody that's been up in that area will know. There's a little yellow smiley face painted on the side of this rock. Okay, good size, so you can sure. kind of see it from you can't across. Miss it. The, right, so it's a good landmark. So I said, okay, I'm, we're just going to go. I'm not going to try to take the shortcut because there's a shortcut you can take through where it kind of winds around and there's rocks sticking out of the water, and it's not a good idea. I've done it hundreds of times right. in the daylight. You know. Sure since, sure. to be honest, but not at that time, and I knew it, I wasn't going to chance it once it was starting to get down. Right. I got a certain amount down down the way, and of course I'm I'm, I'm looking at the map. This is before iPhones and all the, the convenient Navionics apps and everything right. like that. It's just basically lit up and showing you exactly where you are on the map. Sure. So I've got the map flapping, in, you know, in my face. <laughs> Hitting you in the head. And, yeah, <laughs> right, and this other boat come, and I kind of... And I kind of go down because I'm trying to get my bearings, and of course it's starting to get dark. And when you st- when it starts to get dark, all the, the shoreline all kinds of blends in together. Absolutely, you know, so islands could be peninsulas. You don't know. No idea. Right. And when you don't know where you are in the lake, a map doesn't do you any good, right? So because you have no idea where you are. So this 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 other boat drove by and could see the map hitting me in the face, and it wasn't quite dark yet. It was just right. dusky. Right. And he could kind of tell, and he just made this arm motion, like, follow me, I'm going down the channel. So I was like, thank you, and I, you know, kind of sure. cruised in, yeah, cruised in behind him. him. So I went down, I knew right where I was, went by Three Sisters Island. We, at this time, it was get, getting dark, and I, we had a floodlight that we plugged into the, you know, the, kind of the cigarette lighter part of the console. The sure, dashboard. And so I was like, okay, find these lights, and then what's nice about that is once you can see the marker because they've got the reflective tape on the on the buoys. Yes. Then you can you can kind of see, okay, there's that red buoy. Then I could look at the map. You got a bearing for where you are. Exactly. Right. Except if you see the wrong red marker, and then you think that you're the, you make the mistake on the map of what marker that is. That's a problem too. Yeah. I so I found that, yeah. and then I made a wrong turn. Now it was dark, and I thought I was one place and I nothing was familiar and it is now black like stars out wow oh my god so I, I have no idea where I am in the lake it's pitch black was the water rough at all I mean we no okay so kind of mercifully enough it was yeah. just a, it was a nice beautiful night but it was pitch black I don't think there was even a moon out 20 knot wind might have made this kind of interesting too. yeah so anyway I've got the adrenaline going you know my hand is is going like this and so we're like kind of slowly going because you could just hit a rock at any time. Absolutely. They're all over the place. Yeah. So I finally went around this corner and we saw this kind of open water and I could see a, a light on a shore. Hallelujah. Gotta go for the light. I just gotta, even if I have to go up on shore, try to make, make contact with somebody, I could tell right. that there was somebody there. So we just made a slow <laughs> trek across this open water. And it wasn't it wasn't a huge bay, but um, luckily enough there was somebody walking around in the backyard there of the, you know, near the shore. And I just said, hey, I'm completely lost. Can you show me where I am on this map? And they're like, sure. So I went over there, and he, you're right here. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I said, well, we're trying to get back to Calvert Island. And he's like, well, do you want to follow me to, to this spot? And I'm like, if you can get me there, I could do the rest right. basically blindfolded. So that's exactly what he did. Followed, I got him back basically to that spot where Pete caught the big 28-inch walleye. 
and then it was able to. So he fired. He fired up his boat and then led you back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was my that was my being lost on Lake of the Woods. Story. Kindness and, of strangers, kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. But it, it, it wow. the good news is it gave me a comp- not that I didn't have respect for the lake before, but that that will make you suddenly to this day. My rule is, especially since running aground with a houseboat three years ago, I never go anywhere that I haven't been before, or right. I don't have a map right on front of me with a Navionics like a you know I'm clearly understand satellite where feed. I am. You can see where you are and get yourself right. back. No guesswork. Right now, normally you're. Going into the waters uh, in a speedboat, you're not taking a houseboat. I, I, for some reason, I would assume Lake of the Woods, a bunch of guys, you're probably renting a houseboat, right? And and yep. and and fishing from the houseboat. Just it's probably a little slower going, but yeah, the difference, and that's exactly right. We started taking a houseboat out six years ago. So for the first fifteen years, we'd stay at a camp. Okay, we'd stay on Regina Bay, or we'd stay at that White Moose Lodge, and we would. Like I said, the good, the, the the tough part about that is, is that we would want to be up the lake to, for the good fishing, and right. it's about a half an hour boat ride. And I had, a, I have an Alumacraft, 1992, you know, I bought from my dad, 130 hours, so I can go, I can go 35, 40 miles an hour pretty, Absolutely. pretty comfortably. But it still takes a while to get up the lake, right? And it burns a lot of gas. So you're like, yeah. okay, put sixty dollars in the tank every day, you know? Sure. So six years ago, we thought, well, why don't we just switch it up a little bit and try something different? So we, we rented a houseboat and took it out of Sioux Narrows. And the nice part is is that once you load everything onto the houseboat, you're ready to go. All you have to do is put the fishing boats in the in the water, you know, trailers and the, the cars stay right at the camp there. Sure. And then we tie the fishing boats to the back of the houseboat and we go, you know, you have You, you don't have to worry about getting lake. lost. You're there. <laughs> yeah. We're so, right here. As long as we can get Anchorage, we're fine. That's exactly right. So we right. time it now where we get there at 10 o'clock in the morning, and uh, it takes us five hours to get up the lake. But once we're on the boat, the fun starts because I usually drive because I know the lake the best, and I sure. have the, get the everything Navionics going and stuff like that. But then everybody else can have a beverage and relax and sit on the deck, and, you know, it's, it's awesome. But the nice fishing, part is... Fishing from a chaise lounge. Yeah, and we don't actually fish because we're going a little bit too fast to fish, but um, it takes us about five hours by houseboat to get up to that that Chisholm Island area where we, okay. where we like to fish. And then we find these obscure bays and park, and we stay there, like, for a whole week, draw gas off the houseboat to the, gas up the fishing boats. and Sure. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty fun. That's cool. Yeah, I, I can't really speak to the fishing side of that. I can just, you know, for me it was more the sailing, sailing out of the Apostles. And, uh, boy, one island in the daylight can look like any other island. And, and you know... Having to ask the captain, like, so that's raspberry. No, that's oak. How do you know? Well, for one thing, I got the chart. For another thing, I got my phone. And it, that's Oak Island. Are you sure? Just be quiet. <laughs> let's go. Look, let's go looking for treasure. If that's Oak yeah. Island. Oh boy, here we go. It's uh, so yeah. And as the darkness falls, you know, just it's everything kind of blends into everything else. It's, it always blows my doors off. Even you know. Fud your dad's place there on the Gull River. People going up and down the river at night. And you're seeing the green red lights, you know, on the bow of the boats. I'm just thinking, how well do you know the river? You know, there's there's patches where it's real shallow and it's all weeds, and there's wood snags all over the place. You know, half a foot underwater. And if you don't know what you're doing, there's nothing quite as thrilling as hitting something at speed. You know, a reef or a tree or a rock, right. and just your world kind of stops. All of a sudden. Wham! What the heck was that? Yeah. Now it, what? And are we drawing water? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you have a you have a very narrow band for for error. Our hats off to you, Buck, for being yeah, uh, that's that's big. The helmsman on the Lake of the Woods, like you you, you kind of rattled off the dimensions of the shoreline in the lake. What? How mm-hmm. big is it again? Sixty five thousand miles of shoreline. Gosh. Oh my gosh! Which is like three times around the planet or almost three times around. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's 14,000 islands. All the way to Uranus. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we just drove through uh, the Mille Lacs area a couple of weeks ago, heading up to uh, Boy Lake, which is outside of Longville and Reamer. And uh, Reamer. You see, oh, plenty of, plenty of bad jokes were made, I, I assure you. But uh just driving past Malax and and saying to my daughter, you know, put down your phone for a minute and look out the window. And is it is that like Superior? 
Like, no, it's not. That's Malax, honey. That's. But I can't see the other side. I said it's a huge. It's a huge lake, and Lake of the Woods is even bigger than Malax, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just massive and goes up into Canada proper. Now, you said you were based, Buck, out of Sioux Narrows. Um, Sioux Narrows being a popular stop back in the day, I recall, when actually the three of us used to head up to uh, to Highwind Lake. Highwind Lake, Lake Camp, Highwind which is Lake for Camp. sale, by the way. It's for sale, ladies and gentlemen. 1.9. 1.9 million dollars, Highwind Lake Camp. All wow. solar. Something Now, something is the original owner, the owner, Lynn Marks? Went up? Yep. Still there. Still well, there. Well, he must be up there. Hats off, Lynn, if you're listening. Great yeah, camp. It's a wonderful, wonderful camp. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you, Don. Thank you. All right, good. That's that's uh, Now it's a word for our sponsor, and Don will tell us exactly which sponsor that's going to be. So hang tight, and we'll continue with Cabin Country in just a moment. Attention outdoor and active types in Cabin Country. We proudly present CC30. The Cabin Country Workout brought to you by the Cabin Country Podcast in cooperation with Timberwolf Channels. C90, C60? With the Cabin Country Workout, you'll only need 30 minutes. Let's go! Start your workout by limbering up your back with the CC30 Fishing Boat Bailout. All of our Timberwolf gyms boast your choice of 12, 16, or 18-foot fishing boats, each holding a full three days' worth of rain. Your choice of coffee can or modified plastic milk jug bailing device. Empty that craft and move on. Squat poles? Who does that anymore? Timberwolf gyms offer you the outboard start. Choose from a lineup of 5, 9, 25, and 40 horse vintage outboards, all of which await your best efforts to get them started. Some are flooded, others are just plain old. Pull with everything you've got. Once you've got that up and running, it's the chainsaw challenge. You've heard of flat flies? Here's the big daddy of flat flies. Similar to the outboard start, but with a different stance and angle to really work those triceps, lats, back, and neck muscles. If the chainsaws are all in use, you'll get a similar workout with the Cabin Country Old Lawn Mower Pole. You'll pull until your arms ache and never get these saws or mowers started. Aggressive, intense, some say almost impossible. And if it's straight-up core, upper body, and arm strength training you're looking for, Head out behind each of our Timberwolf gyms and choose your axe or maul. It's stump clearing or log splitting time. You're not done until you've stacked one full cord. This is the workout where the tires hit the pavement or the boots hit the trail. The CC30 workout. The toughest workout you'll ever love. This segment of Cabin Country is brought to you by Horseshoe Plug. That satisfying chaw you might share with Granddad. Horseshoe. You'll be hard-pressed to find a more pleasing wad. Yeah, I hope you're not planning on getting back to that chores list. This is Cabin Country. Get back in your easy chair and grab your coffee mug. We got some more stories to tell. Back to Cabin Country. I'm Fudd Klugman here with Bjorn Lloydstead, and tonight our special guest, Buck Fielding. Beard. High wind. Also, you have been going up there. Oh yeah. Since a very young age, since you yeah. since you were in knee pants. As That's they right. Would say. So when I when I first started going up when I was, I was five, which is pretty funny to think about. Um, went up with my folks, and uh, we'd go with my dad's best friend Butch and his wife at the time, Mary Lou. And then Mary Lou's dad, Felix, would come along, and he'd bring his friend Roger, and then there'd be, every now and then, another couple would mix in and out with, with the trip. But that was kind of the core right. group of, of who would go up with. I, I just got to ask at this point, Buck, when you got up in the morning and got out of your tent or camper or whatever, Cabin. and you saw Mary Lou, did you did you have to start by saying, hello, hello Mary Lou? You know, if I would have understood that joke, I would have. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just, but yeah, uh, I haven't heard that one before, kid. Good morning. <laughs> But we would stay in. Uh, we'd stay at that camp that uh, at, uh, Regina Bay Lodge. It's still there. Um, it was called Hagen Cedar Lodge at the time. Okay. But that's where we're, that's those, that's where we first stayed. Sure. And uh, 
a lot of just awesome memories of that whole time because we would we would fish on Lake of the Woods, and I you know I had no clue you know how big the lake was. I would just you know we we would take a guide out named Cleo. He had a boat called the Moody Blue. He was awesome. And he was really good with me. He was great with, you know, looking back on it, that was the kid that was that came along. Everybody right. else was adults. I was the only kid. Right. Um, and he'd say, I don't know who's going to catch the, the biggest fish, but I know who's going to catch the first one. You know, and he'd be looking at me, and I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, so he always paid a lot of attention yeah. to me, so I always Absolutely. had a soft spot for Cleo Godry, yeah. if anybody knows that name. Um, anyway, Felix was this character. Um, he was awesome. He was, like I said, my, my dad's friend's wife's dad who must have been in his 60s at the time. But he had this old, I mean, he was the, you know, he, he worked uh, in Cloquet. And his wife, Vienna, would always pack him up, over overload him with food. It would be like three or four gallons of milk, <laughs> butter and cheese and meat. And more more food than anybody could possibly eat in a week. Little Vienna sausages. <laughs> that, uh, but anyway. so I have just great memories of, of that. And, and uh, he would uh, smoke these Chesterfield unfiltered cigarettes and he would... He would smoke them down to a little bit of an inch, and he'd say, "Hey, look at this!" And he would tuck it in his, his folded up tongue, and he'd pull it into his mouth and make it disappear. And I'd be like, "Whoa!" And then he'd produce it again. Right. So it was years of making him do that for me. You know, there was a couple times though where he'd burn the roof of his mouth. <laughs> the, ch- the Chesterfield would go sputtering out. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> but it would be it would be quickly uh, you know cooled by a shot of gold tassel whiskey or something like that. Gold I, I remember one time when I was coming back with him and and he literally stopped the car on the L three fourteen road, got out, opened up the back of his truck just so he could have a tug of gold <laughs> tassel <laughs> whiskey. And had a hooch. But there was one there was one time where uh, he was sleeping in the in he had his uh, station wagon, I believe. And he had his cool, all of his coolers up on top of the, strapped on top strapped of the. Strapped onto the roof of the The other people station. were in the tent. Um, and uh, Felix was sleeping, probably snoring away uh, in the middle of the night. And he said that he awoke to, looking out the window, and all he saw was this black fur, like, pressing against the, the, the glass. Of the, you know, and this gentle rocking of the. <laughs> and he realized that this big bear was on its legs, like, foraging in his. Uh, cooler that's strapped to the top Trophy of his fish. Right. So, so in his uh, infinite courage or wisdom, he, he gets out all pissed off and <laughs> walks around, kicks the bear in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just hauls off and just. Gets, <laughs> I can just Man. imagine the <laughs> bear takes off. You know, and so but it ripped the lid off the cooler and stuff like that. That's like one of my favorite. Now, kids, Ima- don't, imagine don't, him like waking up and just seeing nothing but you know black fur on the. On the <laughs> what the? Don't heck? try this at home. No fish is worth. Don't get out. No bears were harmed in bear. telling the story. <laughs> I still remember a communal friend of all of ours, uh, Mike, talking about some of the many hiking trips he and his his lovely wife Karen would take uh, in the Rockies, or they would you know drive the Can Am Highway and end up out, out in Alaska. And uh, one of the first times they kind of crossed paths with some very seasoned hikers who were out on the tundra, and, and Mike had just seen a big pile of, of bear scat. And these other people came by with their walking sticks and the bear bells and the whole bit. And I, I almost feel like in Alaska, a bear bell, given the fact you're dealing with you know Kodiak bears, brown bears, grizzly, uh, bear bell is more almost like a dinner invitation. You know, like <laughs> you're not scaring us. You're just letting us know where you are, right? Oh, said, yeah, I just saw this huge I pile, some food. pile of bear scat over there. And he said he was so amazed when this guy looked at him and said, well, did you stick your finger in it? Huh? And he did the kind of, what? You know, did you stick your finger in it? Well, now, why in the world would I do that? He said, to find out if it's warm. If it's warm, he's near. Or she's near. <laughs> or they're near. Did you stick your finger? No, I didn't. Turn around. They all hightailed it out of there. Yeah. That bear has just made a deposit. If it's still steaming, uh, oh, you wow. you got company. You're talking you know, several hundred pounds of. There's something to be learned guest. here at Cabin Country. Oh, Absolutely, man. you man. find Absolutely. a pile of bear scat. 
Stick your finger in it. Stick your finger in it. <laughs> or your toe. Oh, yeah. or, well, anything else for that matter. And I got yeah. a friend that, I mean, that's really talking about adventurous. I mean, it's one thing to be out on like Lake of the Woods, but right. if you want adventurous, I got a friend that just, uh, he and his brother and his friend always go on these incredible, you know, uh, trips. Sure. Uh, and so they went to Denali National okay. Park in Absolutely. Alaska, which is a fairly large park if you Abs- haven't looked it up. It's very really good. Ridiculous. Sense, yeah. And there's one road going up the middle of it, apparently. Yep. And uh, this bus will take you up to up into it. You know, I don't even know how long. It, I don't. I think you can a, actually go up Denali, right? I mean, it's a it's a protected area. I know but you can go into it. You can get deep, in, deeply right. into yep. it, and you can tell the bus to stop at any time and sure. just head out. Yep. And that's what they did. I think he had a three fifty seven Magnum or something like that. I mean, he he came. He had some arms. He was loaded for bear. He was loaded quite literally for bear. There we go. I, I don't even know if he had bear repellent or any of that stuff. But he said that one of the things that they had to be cautious of, and which he then told me that it actually happened a couple times, was you have to be careful when you're making noise because if you're in brush, you can't see how close you might be to right. a bear. You might be right on top of this. And there was a couple times where a bear would just pop up. And when we say bear, we're talking about a grizzly. Right. And he said that uh, you have to be so careful because you might see a, a grizzly 100 yards away and think you're good. Unless then thing starts charging at you. Right. And it's on top of you. Like that. Wow. You know, and it's... 30 to 40 miles an hour at a sprint, right? I mean, yeah. they are fast. And you're not, where are you going to go? You're not going up a tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm going <laughs> to... Burrow into the tundra, and you're you, not going to find me. So that Probably. that to me is like, and then they would camp out overnight there. Oh, yeah. duh. Yeah, that 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 to <laughs> me is uh, you've so got have, a death wish. Have any of them tried, uh, you know, just kicking the bear in the ass? Yeah, 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 yeah right. Oh, no, <laughs> fellow, I'm going to put my. Um, you can put your finger in that grizzly's scat. <laughs> He's yes, charging. It's actually I hot. My when he gets close, you kick him in the tooth. ass. Yeah, and I oh. think there might be a bear in your butt. Right in the buns. <laughs> but the bears had the guns, and they well, shot think, us in uh, the buns. Don's given us the signal to uh, take a little sponsor break here. All right. So, uh, All right. Well, our hang on. We've still got Buck Fielding and his tales of uh, cabin country, perhaps the roads less traveled. So we'll be right back. Mitt's Coffee, the purveyors of fine drinks that brought you Laughing Goose Dark Roast and other fine coffees, are now proud to announce the arrival of Thundermug Morning Jolt. Thundermug is a medium roast coffee blend that will not shock your taste buds or leave you with that all-too-familiar strong coffee breath. But at three times the normal caffeine levels, Thundermug will flush away all the morning cobwebs and make your brain swirl to life. A perfect morning blast to jet you into your day. If you don't have the time for the multiple refills that many coffee lovers require, a single cup of Thundermug will prime you for a day that might not allow for trips to the coffee maker or anywhere else for that matter. No nonsense, no refills necessary. Thundermug. Thundermug is proudly offered by Mitt's Coffee, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. This episode of Cabin Country brought to you by Dick Berditzman's Sizzlin' Bits. A weekend in the sticks gets off to starts and fits without sizzlin' bits. Get your mitts on the bits. They're a hit. In the back room hideout, Slick Maynard, big-time crook and confidence man, was talking to his two partners in crime, Fingers and Biff. All right, well, welcome back. We're glad you're still with us here on Cabin Country. All this talk of Lake of the Woods and however many... Seemingly millions of miles of lakeshore and dark skies at night and losing your bearings. My goodness gracious. You know, that always kind of brings me back to being a kid in cabin country and maybe it's a boat trip coming home late at night and fishing rods rattling and you're not sure where you are. Just even having to walk home from another cabin down a road at night. Total lack of uh, streetlights, big woods all around you. Got a flashlight in hand, you can see eyes flashing off in the distance in the woods. What is that? Probably a raccoon, but of course, in my mind, as a seven year old, it's, you know. Bear. It's a giant bear. Or it's, or it's uh, you know, some Japanese horror film monster or something. I have no idea, but it's, it's coming from me, that's, that's for sure. What this kind of leads to, to some extent, we may be looking at this perhaps more in depth later on, but, you know, cabin country has its sort of spooky side, too. And, uh, 
whether we want to talk about the, the Milford Mine dis- disaster or, or haunted Glen Sheen Manor in Duluth or whatever, uh, there's a lot of interesting stories. Buck, now you've got a, a fairly interesting story you might share with us that's uh, involved the North Shore, as I understand. Yeah, this is probably, well, maybe three, I'd say probably three years ago. Three years. This is actually right on the tail end of my Canada trip. It was like right next to it. Uh, went up to the North Shore with my folks, uh, who are both in their 70s, and uh, my wife and, and two kids. And so we were. We actually stayed at this, uh, I think it was a VRBO or one of those Airbnb. Sure, where it was absolutely. on the, It was on the Lake Superior. It was on the North Shore. Found a nice deal online. Let's check it out. It was in the Lutzen area. I remember mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Newer construction, beautiful townhouse, and it was like three levels. So it was like there was a bedroom and kind of a rec room and a bathroom on the lower level that walked out. Then there was a main level, had a deck overlooking Lake Superior with a kitchen. Beautiful stone fireplace. Big lake they call Gitchigumi. Bedroom, exactly. Then upstairs, uh, another bedroom, master bedroom, another bathroom. So this, you know, everything was natural log. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what's really strange is um, every now and then we'd hear this sound. And it, and, it, and it sounded like it went right through the the space, and it was just kind of. I, it, the way I would describe it would be like if you had a like a large metal spring, okay, and you hit it on one side, and it just kind of went. You know what I mean to the other side of the room. That's, That's what like it sounded like. We science fiction laser gun sound. Or we something. had no idea what it was. It almost sounded like a mechanical thing, but it kind of went from like one direction to the to the right, and kind of fast, just this and gone. Very strange sound. So didn't really think too much of it. Maybe it's a mechanical thing, air conditioning or vent, venting. HVAC or, yeah, what Whatever. We had, sure. really didn't pay too much attention to it. Absolutely. So one night, um, the well, actually, my wife and I were staying in the, my, my kids were staying up in the third floor, which is the level where Seems my, my folks were staying. Favorite the, with kids. The top, yep. the top, the top floor. floor. Yep, they had this Amen. like very, you know, cute nautical Motif, you know, Ahoy. with the, the, the little, you know, <laughs> arr, arr. <laughs> So I tell you, there was these two twin beds. The vast Please. kids, get yourselves to bed. Kids, get yeah, yourselves kids. to bed. <laughs> on the third floor. Yeah, and you <laughs> on the third floor. <laughs> um, so, and you and your good lady wife, where were you? We be in the lower level. Uh, anyway, before I'm. Uh, yeah, driver would be crazy with that. <laughs> so they were up. They were up on the third level. Uh, my folks were sleeping on that same level. Uh, nothing in the main level. Wife and I in the lower level bedroom. And um, uh, I have a penchant for snoring at some sometimes. Right, it's a so popular hobby with many. Yes. It was one of these things where it's like, you know what? All right, seren- you know, serendipity is we've got bedrooms on all three levels. I'll go sleep on the bedroom on the main floor, the center floor, all by yourself, all by myself. We setting anybody. You're Correct. So, um, I'm I'm asleep. It's the middle of the night. Uh, Katie tells me this later because she comes up and she wakes me up and she says, uh, "Did you just come up come up here?" And I'm like, "No, I'm asleep. I've been asleep for a while. Why?" And she's like, "Well, well." So as she told it, um, she was in bed. She heard me clear my throat and turn on the lights. Right. I wasn't on that floor, and the door was closed. So the so lights, she was hearing the lights she heard click on. What and she you thought clearing was me clearing my throat, and the lights on went her on level in the bedroom. And the lights are now on. Correct. Okay. And the door is closed. Right. So she goes outside the room and thinks, "Well, maybe I'm sleeping on the couch because there was a little family room area there and a game right. table next to the bathroom. I'm I'm on the next floor up. Right. Uh, Sound asleep. Right. And have been for a while. <clears throat> Correct. So I'm like, well, that that seems strange, honey. And I'm like, she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But she <laughs> she went back down there, and you know, and and I and I couldn't yeah. quite get back to sleep because I could hear her going back down there, and I knew she was probably like wrestling between having me come back down there and snoring, or right. maybe just going back down, settling down, and going back to sleep. Reading the Bible. So I've, I'm listening with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will now read from Numbers and Deuteronomy. <laughs> Um, a good book. So she was. Uh, 
so I, I was listening. I wasn't going back to sleep yet because it was just kind of keeping my ear open. And all of a sudden, I hear it, Wah! and she came running back up. I'm like, "What's the matter?" And she's like, oh, "I heard something. I can't remember exactly what it was." That, but right. shortly thereafter, I was back down. Uh, Snoring. I, I believe. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think I went back down there. So we didn't think too much of it until then. After the trip, we started talking about that whole experience to my to my folks. And my dad said, well, that's really odd because uh, that I remember that night, he's like, I was falling asleep and I was just in that kind of, you know, awake to... Twilighty. Exactly, of, where yeah. you're just getting that kind of, you know, you're starting to settle, settle into sleep. Off. And all of a sudden he um, felt somebody um, plug his nose and put their hand over his mouth and, and say, turn off the light. Wow. Oh my gosh. And and that was the same night. Wow. Right. And so when we started to think about the whole thing, that experience that well whether it was a dream or not, coupled with what Katie had heard and experienced, and then the the whole lights you know, through the sounds out. through the thing. It was it was odd. It's bizarre. You know? Well I find myself asking <clears throat> too, I wonder if, if that crazy noise was happening too while like lights were coming on and uh, throat clearing. I don't remember and, hearing it, and, and usually we were all on the main floor when we heard that, and I didn't. Sure. I didn't hear that, but it was uh, it was odd nonetheless. Odd, but it was Very like strange. It gave me that kind of poltergeist feeling, where it's like you've got this suburban house that's you know you wouldn't expect it to be a haunted house because it's new right. construction. Don't go and in everything. the pool, kids. Yeah. But it was odd. I mean, it that's was, that's strange. It was really, well, that's really odd. And we won't we won't use any uh, resort names or. Any of that kind of stuff, but that's fascinating. And Duluth, well, some people a, might be thinking, "Where is it? Where I want to go. I don't want yeah, well, to go. I do want to go. I don't want to be specific, but it's very near Lutz, and it's three, you know, three <laughs> levels of townhouse, all side by side, overlooking <laughs> Lake Superior. There's this odd silhouette of a little old lady in a rocking chair in the upper window next door, who has been there and not moved for years. It's kind of strange. That's interesting. Well, yeah. Duluth, Duluth in itself, there's a lot of, you know, between the, the Halloween feature and the William H. Irving, I'm not sure if I'm getting the, the steel tanker or the, you know, the iron ore tanker's name. It's a William Irvin, right? That that big old... The one that's there right it's, now? It's, it's the Irvin. permanently, permanently uh, at anchor in Duluth Harbor, and it's a it's an attraction. And they do a, a Halloween haunted Irvin, where it's a, it's a haunted house. You can go through this ore tanker. Not to be confused with Little Irvy. The true, the giant whale that used Caught to be caught off the coast the, uh, of something, Peru, right? <laughs> with a treble hook and, and sorry, a couple of rotten hot dogs. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's just Little Irvy. Come on in, just seven tickets. Who'd S- believe it? Little Minnesota little, State Fair reference little there. Little Don, have you been there? Yeah, that's right. Don, Don, come on, Don. Gee whiz, but uh, that's that's interesting stuff. I love that. What are your thoughts, Fudd? Well, Don's giving me the sign that uh, we need to take another sponsor break, but I think we're looking forward to the Schmidt Scenic drawing. Ah, This week's drawing of the Schmidt Scenic Collection. Done by our guest, Buck. Buck So uh, take forward to it. His turn. Remember my Schmidt Scenic Beer Can Collection? Absolutely. The wonders of beer can collecting. And that that is always well looked forward to and up next on Cabin Country. Celebrating the 4th of July, our nation's birthday. What a better place to do it than the great North Woods. Fun, fireworks, and fanfare. And who better to celebrate it with than good old Lloyd? Well, it's great to be with you here in the Gull River for the annual 4th of July pontoon boat parade. Everybody's got their pontoons decorated celebrate our country's freedom oh it just makes me proud and thanks again for letting me be here to start you all rolling and i think it'd be fitting if i started with the star-spangled banner oh say can you see what oh we're taking off be careful out there folks and why not stick around and join good old Lloyd as he thinks back to some of his fondest memories from Fourths of July past. Standing up here this evening, I, I'm filled with so much pride, 
proud to be an American and looking out amongst all you and getting ready to see the... Are we going to start those already? Hey! We weren't supposed to start yet! I'm supposed to talk about my memories. Jeez, that was coming right at me! Sit down, Lloyd. Even on the 4th of July, that's Lloyd. Good old Lloyd. Welcome back to Cabin Country, and it's that time again in the show, ladies and gentlemen, that many have started to look forward to. That time we like to call the Schmidt Scenic Moment. And this week's special guest on the Schmidt Scenic Moment is none other than Buck Fielding, who will be reaching deep into the 24-can selection of the Schmidt Scenics you remember so well from childhood talking about what comes to mind from that particular can. <laughs> Actually, now Buck has just brought forward a Billy Beer can, which you might remember as the uh, short-lived product uh, in honor of President Jimmy Carter's beer-guzzling brother, Billy Carter. Billy, 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 um, I was much too young to have ever tried it. Uh, my dad assured me it wasn't all that great. Of course, my dad was... Not a big fan of Billy Carter either. So that's <laughs> I had this the beer point. brewed just up just for me. I think it's the best I ever tasted. I've tasted a lot. I think you'll like it too. Billy Billy Carter. Billy's got a lot to say. All right, we'll set Billy beer. aside. All right, Buck. So I had many a Billy Billy the beer can too in your collection. Indeed. Oh yeah. By the way, brewed and packed by Cold Spring Brewing Company. That's not bad. Cold that's Spring, a Minnesota, Minnesota product, uh, product yeah. ladies and Cold Spring. Oh, I like this one. There it is. Oh, that's a big old northern jumping out of the water. Wow. Red lure in its mouth. Northern pike with what it looks, looks to like be... like a, some kind of a meps. Or... I'm going to say a meps. You know, it's it's it's, it's been said many times, many ways. You cannot beat a meps when it comes to fishing for northern pike, at least in my humble experience. I know Fudd will say there it is. rubber frog. But my guess suicide is duck. Can't suicide duck. Suicide duck. Perhaps the, uh, the, uh, the tiny chipmunk lure that... Uh, you know, oh, yes. You bought for 10 cents at a garage sale. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, you know what? I, I've recently looked in my box, and it, it's no longer there. Oh, no. I I don't know what... What how, in the world? How could I have gotten rid of it? I don't. I, I didn't tell this to Buck, but I... What'd you get rid of? I got a, rid of a lure. You know, just a small bass fishing, I think, lure. Or northern fishing, I don't know. But it was designed to be like a little baby... Chipmunk. Chipmunk. But it fell out the tree and into the water, struggling for its tiny life. And gobbled up, but I never caught a darn thing. (laughs) So, I I don't know. So, um, no more. No more. Well, this this can speaks to me loud and clear. My first major lunker was a Northern Pike, and it was on a MEPS number four that my dad very kindly attached to my leader and I'll tell you what that water he's fighting he's upside down he is he's going full tilt when's the last time you saw a northern that size breach out of the water completely never I think that's called (laughs) artistic license this is called artistic license (laughs) this is called artistic license and it's appreciated by the way oh absolutely and and the sky is yellow we got sunset kicking in the shadowy pines on on the lakefront there's bubbles and what kind of beer, by the way, is that? Can you read the top of the? This is a uh, this is a strong, <laughs> strong beer. None of that three two rubbish. <laughs> Lift upright, push back. Someone was kind enough to rip that strong tab beer. off. They're probably going to make their own homemade. They probably took the little. Yeah. <laughs> did it across the parking lot. It's their friend. Either that, or they're turning it into homemade chainmail, which is all the rage, courtesy of our good friends on YouTube. But yeah, I caught. I I want to say the one that. The fish that hooked me in, and you've heard the story here before, was I, I caught a two to three pound northern pike on a MEPS, and uh, and I was good for a while. I was like, yeah, I want to do this some more, because that was cool. That was a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure my dad even filleted it, pulled Whoa. all those little pin bones out. Oh, yeah, the Y-bone. Is it the Y-bone the we're talking about? Yeah. All right, all right. What's interesting about northerns, too, is that I've found that when we've actually 
eaten a northern, like yeah. a shore lunch. Sure. It's the opposite for walleye. So walleye, I, we mentioned earlier that the bigger walleyes don't taste as good. That's the smaller walleyes sure. that are more tasty. Absolutely. It's the opposite with northern that right. I've I've seen. The hammer Some, handles don't taste very good. No, the bigger ones taste better. Well, they've been out there. As long as you can take the Y bone out, you're good. Man, that's hunger heaven. Taking wow. down those ducklings and all those <laughs> trophy perch and, and, and getting big and, and, and breaching upside down out of a northern lake. Exactly. Do you ever, Buck, actually go out with the intention of, I'm going to hook northern today? Great question. Never. And I was just going to say, that changed because when I was little, I thought no- northern was on you know par with any other species. It's like, whoa, we got a big northern, got a big walleye. The same. Right. I think it was when I first saw the the guide that we took out when I was little. His name was Cleo. Cleo. I mentioned oh, him yeah. earlier. The, inf- the infamous He'd be like, Cleo. oh, jackfish. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> he treated what? it like it was a like an eel pout, Wait a right? Minute. I'm like, what do you mean jackfish? He's like, oh, it's a slimer, northern. <laughs> so they looked, they looked down on them. Okay. So now you'll catch them occasionally, and they're very fun to catch. Yeah, but they fight like crazy. They do. They're great fighters, but they're they're slimy and they got big teeth, and they're not a musky, so they're not quite as large, and you know, yeah. I so just, they're kind of, I, I was a little disillusioned when I was, you know, because I remember a couple times we'd go up there and we'd go out the first night and I'd catch this little northern and I'd be like, it's a keeper, it's a keeper. And it would be this literally like 16 inch northern, which is a tiny little dinky northern. Right. But um, yeah, no, they're, they're called jackfish really up there and they just kind of look, look down on them. Wow. It's like perch. You're going to catch them without trying. Yeah. You know, you're going to catch, you're, you're oh, going for walleye, you're going for trout. Right. You're going to catch a northern, you're right. going to catch a. Yeah. And did this guide, uh, we've talked in the past about how uh, Bjorn's dad, if we caught a perch here in Minnesota, uh, its fate was probably to be slammed against the edge of the boat. Until then. Well, killed. Exactly. Cleo did the same exact thing. With a northern. No, with perch. With, with perch. With okay. perch. And he would do it to, to kind of um, uh, amuse himself with my reaction. Because as a little <laughs> kid, he, uh, my mom tells the story how... how uh, Cleo got a big kick out of the fact that I would say, what was that? But it sounded like one word. Was that? You know, because he would take a perch when I wasn't looking. I'd be sitting in the back of the boat, and if he, he'd, he'd quietly take it off his line, and he would throw it at the back. He'd hit at the motor, and it would bounce off the motor, flop into the water, and then the seagulls or some other, you know, pelican. A lot of pelicans, a lot of seagulls would right. swoop down, grab it. So it never went to waste. You sure. know, it always it's get eaten. Food source for something. Correct. But he didn't want to keep them, and so he would do that, and he loved my reaction. What was that? What was that? <laughs> Flying fish. But what's funny about perch is they're actually really good eating. That's what I hear. If you eat, if you fillet a perch and you fillet a walleye and you mix them up, say, tell me which one's the walleye, which one's the perch, you're probably not going to be able to. Well, the same now, family, some right? listeners might say, oh, I could tell the difference. Same but family. they're pretty good. It's, it's the, it and is. the perch you would catch... Fudd and I were talking about this a few episodes ago. The perch that they're catching on lakes in the Dakotas are good sized. I mean, it's it's a game fish sized fish. It's not the little peanuts we tend to catch right. here in Minnesota that my dad swore all had worms. Oh, they've all got worms. Just <laughs> kill it and throw it. Junk. Those things Garbage drink fish. acid rain. <laughs> yeah. They, they raise the price of gas and they cause uh, <laughs> measles. So, yeah, kill it. Get rid of it. But any any northern pike uh, tales from your past? Well, it, it was a favorite uh, tradition. Whenever we went up to the cabin, and I'd run out in the dock, throw out the red and white daredevil. Oh yeah! And it was almost guaranteed I'd get daredevil. a you know a small. But but it was just fun. It, it was part of that induction into the. We're up here. It's the right. weekend. We're at the cabin, and something. I just caught a northern. And of course, we'd always let it go. And it wasn't very big, but you caught a fish. And so that was, it was better than catching a little, uh, you know. Bullhead. Tiny, you know, bullhead. Or a, or or a dogfish. Oh, yes. Yeah, those are kind of disturbing. That's what I hear. And my dad always says that <clears throat> whenever he catches a northern, he's going to bleed. <laughs> Somehow, invariably, it always yeah. makes him bleed. Oh, yeah. well, my, <laughs> my, my dad taking a, about a five-pounder off, off his daredevil at one point. He enjoyed catching northerns. He enjoyed filleting them out, strangely enough. And, and you know, they hit the frying pan inside the cabin. But uh, Yeah, he had one, you know, that had a little more life left in it than, than he realized. Latch onto his thumb. 
and uh, came back in the cabin. Where are the band-aids? God, I don't believe this. I was like, what? Blood running down his hand. What in the world? You know, and Northern took a chunk out of me, and he, you know, he cleaned up his hand and showed me his thumb. It looked like a little tiny chihuahua bitten him right on the thumb. I was like, good lord. I had no idea. And the funny thing there too is, you know, I've seen people if it's a small enough fish, they'll like run their hand down past the mouth, you know, like right behind the gills of a northern to to fish the yeah the the hook out. But my dad always like thumb and forefinger, he'd push their in the eyes, eyes. In, yeah, like, push in their <laughs> eyes, and uh, he said, yeah, it, it, like, it makes them go uh, kind of limp. They don't, you know, it's, it's like they 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 go numb. They don't know what Where to do. Where am I? Yeah, like that's, who am I? That's, exa- that's exactly why. Go ahead and take the hook out. Bit you right in the thumb, and you're bleeding like a stuck hog. You just poking it in the eyeballs, for God's sake! But, it reminds uh, me of the, the 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 trout that they come up after being so deep in their oh, gills. Oh. First, I get hooked in the mouth, and it turns into a perverse game of blind man's bluff. That's right. <laughs> now I can't see anything. Marco, this is a joke. Marco. <laughs> oh, then I'd beat the fish to death over the side of the boat if that started. But I tell you, uh, one guy I worked with caught a lot of them, cleaned them up, and what he did with them is he pickled them. Pickled northern pike. He put Why not? In, pickled pike. Yeah, put them in jars, lemons, and pickling spice, and let them sit in the fridge for months, and then he'd bring them to, to work events. You know, well, I brought tater tot hot dish, and this one, you know, brought... Had a couple of pizzas, and what'd you bring? Uh, three jars of pickled northern. And that'd always be... <laughs> You know, oh, tastes like herring. Good Lord, <laughs> I don't like herring. You know, the one Norwegian in the United States that doesn't eat herring, and, and uh, all I could think was, are you kidding me? And I kid you not, what was the first thing to be gone? First thing to be gone from that table, that pickled northern was gone. Mouth-watering. In a heartbeat. Wow. That and the deer sticks. Oh, yeah, Craig shot a deer. I uh, turned it into deer sticks. But I love it. I'd never shoot a deer. That's wow. Bambi. Can I have one of those garlic yeah, let, me, let me eat that, uh, <laughs> that jalapeno. <laughs> that jalapeno. <laughs> teriyaki. Give me it's another delicious. one of those, will you? That's pretty good stuff. So it's just crazy how this works out. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the infamous Northern Pike, jumping, breaching as the sun sets. You know, you, you, you gentlemen might be single-handedly responsible for rekindling my uh, beer can collecting. Uh, Jones from it's kind the of early beauty, 80s. Just that small piece of it metal. It is. And to hold one of these, and the fact and the that artwork. it's got this uh, girth to oh. it, and it's a, it's a, you know what I mean? It's a it's a solid can. You well, I used to, I used to, easily. I would find these, and you'd smell them, and you'd still catch that, like, whiff of old hoppy beer on the inside. Because this is strong, too. It, it tells <laughs> well, it you right on top. It says strong. right on top. Is that a all warning caps. or a uh, all caps. comforting encouragement? Don't worry. <laughs> this is strong. And I, I had a whiff off the top of this can thinking, oh, the old homey smell of cabin country. It smelled like a like a dentist's spit sink. It's kind of frightening. <laughs> and any 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 beer can collector worth their salt would realize that they'd rather have these intact and have it opened with open a church key on the bottom. bottom absolutely. Which none of these are <laughs> my... Dear old man would buy his suds, and I would always go in with him because I was a beer can collector, and I'd say, what you're Open getting bottom, this weekend yeah. is going to be something you've never seen before, probably from Canada or perhaps Mexico, and then you're going to open them all from the bottom. So my dad, heck of a good sport, and he'd be sitting there on the dock, fishing rod, drinking an upside-down can. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Open with a church key, trying to suck beer out of that concave I'm Doing bottom. this for my son. Oh, he's a beer can collector, so, you know, hey. <laughs> Tastes the same. It's all going the same place. Don't judge me. Yeah. Don't judge. Don't judge. Or you just pour it in one of those big plastic steins. You I know, think it'd be hard to be a beer can collector now with all the craft beers, but I will grant they you have, they are yeah. very attractive. Some of the cans and oh, some of the artwork and the graphic insane. design is incredible, and there's all these 20-ounce cans now. It's not just the, the 12-ounce. It's I'd the 20s. Lost. And there's tons of different cans. I don't even know how you could possibly collect well, and I'd it. have to rely on my wife to drink all that beer, and she frankly doesn't really drink beer. So I'd... Come on, honey, it's about commitment. I can't do it, I can't and collect, I want to collect these I damn things. I can't collect these if you don't drink them. So <laughs> put on some pounds and get a little goofy. And bottoms up, buttercup. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I think that that's not to be my lot in this life at this stage. So Anyway, well... Good times, as always, with the Schmidt's Scenic Collection. The brew that grew with the Great Northwest. So, interesting, we look at the Schmidt cans, and then we talk about the ham signs. But they're all part of the same wonderful world of 
yesteryear and memorabilia and nostalgia and, and cabin country i yeah, I, it is. you know i see those signs i see those lights i see these cans and you hear I'm, the jingles yes and yep. i'm back in cross lake minnesota or you're back in baxter pillager you're back up don on... do you have the uh, hams jingle handy Could oh, have that's, a, that's a beautiful thing it is it's outstanding, outstanding. it's uh the tom toms and the, the bear doing the log rolling all good stuff mm-hmm. good stuff well, all right this has been exciting we've been anticipating your sitting in here buck for quite some time and it's been a great a great evening so great evening well it's been my honor and i hope i get invited back because this yeah, has been a field day I, I believe there might be some more fielding stories in the offing in the not I too think distant so. future i so. think so Listen close and, and tune in again to check out the further tales of the Mighty Buck Fielding and Bjorn Lloydstead. And of next course, time I'll tell you about some of the stories I had with my running again with uh, Gail Whitman. Oh, Gail but that's Whitman you know days. that's a separate that's a separate story. That is Gail. That Whitman. was what I, that's before I grew up, <laughs> before I matured. Well, and Gail was plenty old. I was kind of a jerk so. back then, but right. you know, well, yeah. so it goes. So that's it goes. Right. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time here on uh, Cabin Country. Cabin Country. Let that door swing shut. Good night. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.